power in a good question. Uh, for example, some of us from the leadership of Chapel Roswell attended a conference this weekend put on by the United Methodist Church, and it's designed specifically for uh, leaders and innovators in the Methodist Church, church planters, people like that. And I was hosted in Atlanta this year at Peachtree Road, United Methodist Church down in Buckhead. And uh, yep, there's a shout out for Peachtree Road. And um, and so, you know, the conferences, workshops, and there was, there was preaching and, and worship and all that. And uh, some of us from Chapel Roswell led a couple of the workshops. Our band led the closing session in worship uh, yesterday. Yeah, it was, they did a really good job. But one of the workshops that was about uh, discipleship and small groups in particular, Pastor Kristen, one of the pastors here, was at that workshop. And she said that as a part of their structure for their groups, they keep before them periodically from time to time the question, Who's not here yet? That's a good question. And in fact, it, it really is. That, that's one of the foundational questions to why Chapel Roswell even exists. It, it's the question we keep before us. Who's not here yet? It was the vision of the senior pastor at the time here at Roswell Methodist, Mike Long, as he looked around the church and he looked in the future of the church and he said, who's not here yet? And how do we make space and make a place for them? It's a good question. There's power in a good question. And Jesus had a knack for asking good questions. I think that's one of the reasons that he's still a compelling figure today for Christians and non-Christians alike. So we decided to take four weeks and in here on Sundays to look at some of the good questions that Jesus asked and I hope that it would be helpful for you, whether you follow Jesus or you don't, that you'd be able to find some meaning, inspiration, at least something thought-provoking out of these good questions that Jesus asked. A couple of weeks ago, we started uh, with the good question, what are you looking for? Jesus asked that of a couple of people that were following him, and there's a sense, a real sense in which he asked that of us today, what are you looking for? And we gave everybody an opportunity to take time that Sunday to reflect on that question and then write your answers down. We gave out these composition notebooks and number two pencils. We just go in with the whole back to school theme. And um, so if, if you didn't get one of these notebooks and pencils and you want one, please come get one. Uh, you can come now if you feel like it or you can just come when we're done. Uh, but, but they're here for you. And we encourage people not only to write down answers to that question, but maybe bring it back every week and, and let it be a place where you can make notes. Or if you just want to carry it as a journal or use it for whatever you want, uh, we've got these notebooks up here for you to encourage people to think about answering that question. What are you looking for? And then last week, we moved to another good question that Jesus asked when he asked his followers, his disciples, who do you say that I am? And we gave some thought to what, you know, what is popular opinion today in our culture about who Jesus is. But then we also all took a minute to think about who, who do I say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to me? 
Who do I want or need or hope Jesus to be? Or who do I want to hope that Jesus will be? And when we, when we were concluding last week, we invited everybody to come up and write your answer, your answer to that question. Who do, who do you say that Jesus is on the board? And if you didn't get to see the pictures of that shared on social media this week, I encourage you to go look. It was really cool when we put together this sort of collaborative answer to that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? And so this week, we're going to turn to another good question that Jesus asked. And this question is, do you see this woman? And so it's a question that Jesus asks of someone in the context of a larger story, um, a conversation that they're having at a meal. And I want to read some of that for you. It comes from Luke chapter 7. If you're looking for something to read this week, just, just something to nourish your spirit, something out of the Bible, Luke 7 is a good chapter to read. There's a lot of good stuff there. There's more to this story than I'm going to be able to read for you this morning. So, um, so I encourage Luke chapter 7 for you, something to read. And, uh, you know, we gave these Bibles to the third graders. And, and if you're older than that and don't have a Bible of your own, there's Bibles in the pews that are yours to have. So feel free to take one. Uh, or if you're... Um, if you'd like one of these cool Bibles uh, and you're in fourth grade or fifth grade and get one, like Andrea said, we, we have them available for you down in uh, Roswell Kids. But if you want to follow along with me, here's, this is Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. And I'm going to read 36 through 39 and then verse 44. And this is how it goes. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with them. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took his place at the table. Meanwhile, a woman from the city, a sinner, discovered that Jesus was dining in the Pharisee's house. She brought perfumed oil in a vase made of alabaster. Standing behind him at his feet and crying, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the oil on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was happening, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. And he would know that she's a sinner. And then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, the Pharisee, do you see this woman? That's a good question that he asked Simon the Pharisee in that moment. Do you see this woman? And really, it's a, it's a good question because you don't even realize what a good question it is at first. It's a sneaky good kind of question. He says, do you see this woman? And one of the reasons that it's a good question is because everybody, everybody at their core wants to be seen wants to be acknowledged, understood, recognized, valued. Tell me I'm not the only person who's had this awkward experience before. Usually you're out in a large event or a gathering, an open space or something like that, an auditorium, and there's people milling around and, and you're there and you're just trying not to stand out too much or look too awkward. And so, um, but then you look up over across the room and you see somebody you know what a good feeling that is. And then they look over and you see them, they see you. <laughs> All right. 
And then they wave, and your heart just sort of lifts. You're like, hey, a friend, you know. Or... And you go to wave back, and just as you're going to wave, and I guess it depends on how often this has happened to you, or how far into the wave you get. But you realize, oh, yeah, they're not looking at me. <laughs> you can see the angle of their glance is right over your shoulder as they're waving. And you go, oh, they're, yeah, he's waving at her. Okay, uh, I'll just go back over here. He didn't even see me. <laughs> And I think that's what Jesus' question is pointing out to Simon, the Pharisee. He didn't even see this woman who was in his house at the table washing Jesus' feet with her tears. And Simon didn't even see her. But here's the problem. He did see her. We know Simon saw her because it tells us that he thought to himself, if Jesus knew who this woman was, he would know that she's a sinner. So he saw her. He saw her enough to even recognize her and know who she was, a sinner. And, and most biblical scholars and interpreters would tell us that, that they refer to her as a sinner because likely because she was a prostitute. So she was at a place in her life where this is how she'd been able to get by. She'd given herself to men and was living with the weight of that. And Simon knew who she was, so he saw her. But he didn't really see her. And in fact, if you read the scripture in the original language in the Greek, you see that there's two different words used when it talks about seeing somebody. So when it first says that Simon the Pharisee sees her, the word that's used there means just generally to take notice of something, to be aware of something or someone. It says he saw her. But then later, verse 44, when Jesus asked him the question, Simon, do you even see this woman? That kind of seeing, that word, implies something much deeper of paying attention to, um, thinking about, acknowledging, recognizing, understanding. And particularly when you make application to seeing a person, do you see this person? There's that idea of empathy and awareness and care. Jesus says, do you even see this woman? I'll tell you what it made me think of, and this is a dated reference, and I apologize, but it made me think of the movie White Men Can't Jump. Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. Admit your age with me. Do you realize that movie is 25 years old? White men can't jump. Woody Harrelson still had hair in that movie. <laughs> but, but the basis of the movie is Woody, they're playing basketball, and, and Woody Harrelson is a con man. He goes around and plays these pickup games in the park and the beach in L.A., and he lets on like he can't play ball, and then he hustles people out of their money. And he runs into Wesley Snipes, and, and they play a game, and he hustles Wesley Snipes. And then they decide, hey, we could take this show on the road and make a lot of money. And so the movie is about these two guys riding around hustling people in basketball games. It's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, it's worth watching it. It'll take you back in time. But there's a scene in the movie where they're in the car and they're riding down the road and Jimi Hendrix comes on the radio. And Woody Harrelson's like, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. I love Jimi. 
And Wesley Snipes looks at him and says, you can't love Jimmy. You don't know Jimmy. And, and what's implied there is Woody's white. Jimi Hendrix is black. There's, there's, you don't, white guys don't listen to black people's music. What's also implied there is you can't, you can't connect with and understand what's going on in Jimmy's music, what was happening in the time when he grew up and how he lived and perceived the world and what he's expressing in his music. You can't understand that. And, and what happens is they have this little conversation because Woody Harrelson says, oh, I, I love Jimi Hendrix. I love listening to Jimi Hendrix. And Wesley Snipes says, you may listen to Jimi, but you can't hear Jimi. Like, you may like to listen to it, but you don't hear the meaning. You don't understand. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to Simon the Pharisee. You see her, but you don't see her. And, and who knows why? Maybe because Simon, as a Pharisee, as a religious leader, he was just too religious, too caught up in the church thing to see this woman who by most everybody was considered an outsider, a sinner, unworthy. Maybe he was too caught up in Jesus at the moment to see this woman. Or maybe it was just too uncomfortable to really see her. Because when we're talking about the kind of seeing that seeks to understand and to know and to value and to care and connect and relate. There's a cost to that kind of seeing for us to see people around us in that way. Because when we see people that way, you know, what can happen is they see us and then they see us see them. This is, this is just my opinion, but this is one of my uh, opinions about the church and missions when we do uh, things missionally and we go and help and serve. And there seems to be oftentimes much more of an interest in people going to the other side of the world to do something for a week or two and then come back and go about our daily lives versus going across the street or across 400 and get involved in somebody's life that lives in our community with us. And I think one of the reasons that it's preferable to go on the other side of the world than it is to go on the side of 400 is because we see those people every day, day in and day out. And we come face to face with the reality of the inequities of the system that we benefit from. Because when we take the time to really see, it costs something. But this is a question that Jesus asks Simon, the Pharisee, and I, I think asks all of us. Do you see this woman? Do you see this person? Especially if we go back and have answered those other two questions from the last couple of weeks. The first one, what are you looking for? And particularly if we answered in any way like the people answered it who were following Jesus because they had been pointed to him because he had been identified to them as the Lamb of God. 
The one who would come to take away the sins of the world, who would come to set the world back to right. If that's what you're looking for in your life, if you acknowledge that is your deepest need, all the other stuff that's happening and going on around you and that you're dealing with and working on and trying to take care of, all of it sort of centers and circles back to a need inside of you and inside of all of us to know the Lamb of God. And then that second question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And the question was answered by his disciples, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the way, the truth, and the life. You're the one that we will follow, that we will put our faith and our trust in. And so if we've come to the point where we're answering both of those questions in that kind of way, and then we come to this question, that Jesus asked Simon the Pharisee and asked all of us, do you see this woman? Do you really see this person? And he asks it because there's something inherent to following Jesus. There's something integral to the gospel. There's something important to the kingdom of God about seeing other people and seeing them to know and to understand them. Jesus made a way of life out of seeing other people. He saw this woman. He saw Simon the Pharisee. There's ways that we do that here in Chapel Roswell. That we want to see everybody. I mean, one little way we did this morning is we, we want the third graders to know we see you. And you're at a place in your life where you can start to read and understand the messages in the Bible. And so we want you to have your own. And so we give Bibles to the third graders. We go out to Alive in Roswell and we have a presence out there, a tent, and we have people that went this week and, and volunteered, gave your time. I appreciate that. The folks that are in the room that did that, thank you so much for doing that because it was a way for us to say to the people in our community, we see you. You matter. Not like a, <laughs> we see you, but a, we... <laughs> but we see you and you matter and we're in a community with you. Now, the thing is, alive, most of those people you see are going to be just like you. And what was happening in the dynamic between Simon the Pharisee and this woman, the prostitute, they were nothing alike. They were worlds apart, even though they were in the same house. So we do things like Miss Mary's ice cream cranking. We give our time to go participate in that event because it raises money for the Drake House. And the Drake House provides short-term housing, education, empowerment for single mothers who are homeless in our community. We do things like have small groups where we get together with one another outside of Sunday morning in a setting that's much more intimate and personal where we can have conversation and know each other and know each other's lives, learn from each other, be there for one another. So that we can say to each other, I see you. Now I'm back to that workshop that Kristen went to where they said that's a part of their discipleship model. They're small groups. They keep that question before them periodically. Who's not here yet? And what that does to your small groups is it helps that from becoming an insular closed thing where we just want to see each other and we don't want to see anybody else. So they're asking themselves, who's not here yet? These are all ways that we say together, we see you. To the people around us, and particularly the people 
that may not look like us or be like us. So who do you see? A better question, who don't you see? Do you see the African-American young man trying to be an upstanding member of his society, a society that systematically disadvantages and vilifies him? Do you see the Muslim woman who's just trying to be a good wife and a good mother in a country whose leaders assume that she and her family are terrorists? Do you see the lesbian, gay, or transgender person who just wants the same things in life that everybody else wants? Family, friends, fulfillment, and love, but has been told, and God help us, been told by the church that they are somehow less than in the eyes of God? See, this is part of our problem, our inability and unwillingness to truly see each other. That's what breeds the evils of racism, sexism, homophobia, and privilege, because we don't see people who are different than us. We may notice them, but we don't care a lick about understanding them. It's like Wesley Snipes told Woody Harrelson, you listen, but you don't hear. Now, this is where I appreciate the theology of some of my more conservative colleagues and the traditions of the church. Because both lean heavily on the repentance of sin. To name it, confess it, and turn away from it. So it's time we confess the sin of not truly, earnestly seeking to see each other. We will go to great lengths to see some things, solar eclipse, And we will go to equally great lengths to not see others. Like the people all around us who are hurting, suffering, abused, oppressed, marginalized, ridiculed, and misunderstood. If we are Christians, then these are our people. You know what else about the woman in this story? Jesus told Simon, who was the religiously impressive, got-it-all-together guy, You know, you take me for granted. If you read on in the story, he basically tells him, you take me for granted. But this woman needs me. And she knows that she needs me. She knows that she needs mercy and grace and forgiveness. And he said, I see her. And I have forgiven her. And he even says, she has been saved by her faith. Jesus said, somebody who's been seen and understood and forgiven, that's somebody who knows love and knows how to love. And I think seeing each other is the first step to knowing each other and loving each other with the love of God. And it's a priority here at Chapel Roswell that we truly see each other. So Jesus asks us this question, do you see this woman in your community? in your home? Do you see this person that nobody else is willing to see? And and again, we want everybody to have the opportunity to respond to this question. Do you see this woman? And a, a couple of things I've mentioned would already be good ways for you to respond. I mentioned Miss Mary's ice cream cranking in the Drake house. Hey, come help us be a part of raising money to support the Drake house. 
just reach out to them and find out what they need, how you can help, how you can participate. I mentioned the small groups that we're about to kick off our small groups for the fall season. We have new ones that'll be forming, some that'll be getting back together. If you're not already involved in a group, get involved. It's a way for you to say to other people around you, I see you. It's also a great way to do things together in our community to say to the people around us, we see you. It's a lot easier to do in groups of 10 or 12 than it is in groups of three or 400. But there's another way that we want to give you an opportunity to, to just begin to respond to this question. Do you see this woman? And so what we've done, the, the worship design team here at Chapel Rosal, we spent the last couple of weeks um, identifying people in our community who might often not be seen by you, by us. And uh, so what we did is, as we identified folks, we uh, did some interviews, just short form kind of interviews. If you're familiar with Humans of New York, it'd be something like that. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to share those this week on our social media, one a day, starting today. Because we think it's important that we take a minute to see each other. And so what I'd invite you to do before you leave today is find us on social media if you haven't already. On Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Follow us or like us at Chapel Roswell. And then every day this week, if you just take a second, we'll, we'll post one of those interviews with somebody in our community that you probably don't know, and that's fine. That's, that's kind of the point. But it'll give you a chance to get to know them as a person. To even just take a little step to, to put the effort in to see somebody who may be very different than you. And then our hope is that as we do that together, that we all begin to see each other. That we begin to see specifically the people in our community, the people around us who nobody else is willing to take the time to see. And not just see them in a way that we notice them enough to avoid them but see people in the way that Jesus sees them with love and compassion. And as we start to see one another for who we are as children of God and get to know one another and understand each other and care about each other, then we will begin to embody the nature of the kingdom of God where we are all one. And maybe, just maybe, we could bring about a turn in the tide for what we're so accustomed right now to seeing and hearing and watching. And it all starts with us answering this question, do you see this woman? So in a minute, as we sing our last song, I hope that you'll take a second to find us on social media, just right here where you are, like us, follow us. The first um, interview comes out today. So if you go ahead and do that. But then also while we're singing, this is the time that we're going to give back to God. This is the time that we give our offering or our tithes. So if you've brought something that you want to give, or if you're sitting here and you're like, yes, I want to help make this happen. I want to be a part of moving this kind of thing forward in Roswell. Uh, these are the different ways that you can do that while we sing. I do want to point out that our church has gone to a new uh, digital giving service provider. So we have a new number for texting to give. So if you want to text your gift, that's a new number up there, 678 515 
I hope you'll take a second and, and write that down or type that in your phone uh, if that's the way that you want to give. But as you give, God, would you know that what you're giving to is a movement within the church, a fresh expression of the church in our community that says to everybody around us, we see you. You matter to us and you matter to God and we're with you. All right, before we do any of that, let's pray together. And then as we sing, you can find us on social media. You can give. God, we thank you for the good questions that Jesus asked that in a way hold a mirror up in front of us. In a way, put us to the deepest part of who we are. Particularly the question today that Jesus asked, do you see this woman? Oh God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that care, that break with the hearts of our neighbors. God, make us the kind of people who see each other and in particular who see those among us and around us who were most often left out, pushed aside, ridiculed or forgotten. God, fill our hearts with the sense that these are our people, that we are all your people, that we are brothers and sisters together in this life and on this journey. Oh God, may we see the way you see. And this is our prayer together this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.